You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Bills Mafia around the world. Welcome in to Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. And we haven't been live since Saturday because of the traumatic events that happened on Monday night inside uh, Paycor Stadium here in Cincinnati. I'm still in Cincinnati. I'm in a um, I'm in my rental car in a par- uh, church parking lot in somewhere in Kentucky. Um, I grabbed some food here after stopping down uh, at the hospital really quickly before I went to hit my flight and get out of town. We waited a few days to to go live with a podcast because I wanted to have as much of the details of the story, let it breathe a little bit, and then be able to kind of react to it all and talk about everything that happened, what it all means, and then, you know, kind of um, involve all of you. Uh, we, we started that process last night. I did a late night Twitter spaces. And I want to also say on this podcast, this is your show as always. If there's something that you want to say, if there's something that you want to talk about, leave it in the comment section here on YouTube. And uh, our producer is in the, he's in the chair and he's ready to uh, bring that all into the show. Hello, Ryan Talbot. Hello. Uh, yeah, you know, well said. We need, everyone needed some time to kind of digest everything that uh, took place on Monday night. So it's good to get together, though. I uh, have the Bills Mafia here in the chat and kind of break down everything that's taking place. Yeah. So I think to start off with, I'll just give my account of what happened the other night being on the ground here in Cincinnati covering the game. You know, I've, I've told the story multiple times now. I've been on uh, several radio shows, TV shows over the last couple of days, and this was turned into a, a national and a global story. Uh, the way, and that's basically why I made the, the headline the way that I did on this is because the way that the world has come together, you know, and, and particularly the United States, to give love, support, and, you know, celebrate DeMar Hamlin has been so astounding. Um, I was in the, I was in the press box and I was, um, covering the game, obviously the hit happened and I saw DeMar Hamlin just come blazing into the play, collide with T Higgins. They go down to the ground. DeMar pops back up. And as soon as I saw him pop up at the end of the play, I turned to my computer to start typing analysis of the play. It was, it was a, it was a play for the Cincinnati Bengals where I think they might've gotten a first down or whatever the case may be. A few moments later, somebody said somebody's down. And so I immediately brought my uh, eyes back up, got my binoculars out and I was looking for numbers. And I, I thought in my head, Ryan, there's no way this could be Hamlin because he just bounced back up. I thought, right. 
Then all of a sudden, as I'm kind of scanning for numbers, somebody says, DeMar Hamlin's down uh, on the turf. And I just thought, how? Until I saw the replay. And how crippling was that? To watch him just collapse in the way that he did. Obviously, medical professionals immediately rushed onto the scene. Um, The next memory that I have of the moment uh, was seeing an EMT or some type of medical professional screaming urgently into a walkie-talkie on the field. And you could tell this was not just your normal injury. We've talked about this many times over the years, but I have spent five years covering MMA. I've seen head kick knockouts. I've seen gory injuries, gory finishes to fights. I've seen big hits in big games. I've never seen anything like this, Ryan. Yeah. And, you know, if you were at home watching the broadcast, which uh, where I was at at first, you didn't see DeMar Hamlin pop up and, and fall down the way they, they went to the replay of it. Uh, all of a sudden, you just saw all Bill's players down on the field. When they came back, they they showed, you know, him popping up him coming down. And you, you could just tell in that moment something was not right. And uh, obviously, as the the um, it turned into minutes, turned into 10 minutes, it turned into the broadcast booth of Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, truly not knowing what to say in that moment. And, and you know, who can blame them? It, it's something like you said, you've seen these big hits in these sports and it's something we've never really uh, witnessed before. You just knew as more time passed, just how serious it was. And so obviously the uh, medical folks on the scene uh, covered DeMar Hamlin. They removed his face mask. They, uh, they started giving him oxygen. He needed to be resuscitated. His heart stopped it had to be, uh, they had to get the heartbeat going again, which they did saved his life. Uh, I was talking, I met um, Dorian Glenn, um, DeMar's uncle, who was watching the game back in Pittsburgh, their hometown, with DeMar's younger brother, Demir. Just imagine that. A seven-year-old mm. son, brother, to, to watch his brother uh, injured like that. And then the uncertainty around it. He rushed to Cincinnati to be with the family, be with DeMar. And he said that in the moment, it was wonderful what those medical professionals did. They're so grateful to them being able to um, stabilize him enough to then get him up on the stretcher, get him in the ambulance, get him over to the hospital, UC Medical Center, where he immediately went on a ventilator. And at the time on Monday night, he needed 100% of the oxygen to be able to breathe. There was a little bit of lung damage, uh, Dorian said. And some great, great news yesterday, he said that um, they had reduced what was uh, the airflow from the the ventilator down to 50%, which means 50% uh, uh, room air and 50% ventilator air is what I uh, believe that to mean. And so it was, he's making progress, right? And then obviously the bills get put out on their statement today. Yeah. So like, like you said, first of all, you know, a great job by the medical staff that was uh, there, the, the urgency that they, they took uh, to get him, breathing again to resuscitate him um, before they would put him in the ambulance, take him away. Just top notch job by the professionals there. It's why the NFL always has an ambulance at every stadium. It's why they have these medical professionals on standby. You never want to see something like this take place. Uh, But the fact that uh, they were able to do this and and now, like you said, with these updates, they're, they're starting to show some encouraging signs overnight. Uh, you just hope that that's it's trending in that direction, Matt. 
I want to go back to, before we get too far down the line, I thought that was important um, to bring up right off the jump, just the update from the, from the family and, you know, being on the ground here in Cincinnati, getting a chance to talk to Dorian, meet him. It was, it was great. I mean, he reminded me a lot of DeMar. He's very, uh, um, charismatic, um, just a really kind gentleman. When the, when this all happened, Ryan, you know, of course we think about DeMar, his family, what happened to the bills on the field, like the, the emotional response from players watching Stefan Diggs just overwhelmed with emotion so much so that he had to pull his Jersey over his head, uh, just to try to deal with it. Josh Allen, just like this, this look of despair and shock in his eyes, Tredavious white, just talking to himself, just like, probably like, why, how did this happen? Like trying to add, trying to make sense of this awful, awful situation. There was one moment too. I was asked about this on a podcast. I saw the video after the fact they, I believe it was Saran Neal who also was having a very emotional reaction to this, obviously. So he was kneeling down at one point and Naheem Hines came out notice uh, of like where the big group was kind of standing, notice Saran Neal down on his ground, came over to console him. And I want to say, so the, the latest update we have, Zach Taylor went to uh, the podium today, spoke to reporters in, in uh, Cincinnati. And he gave, he shed some light on that whole situation as this was all playing out. And I think most of it is kind of what we, what we assumed. This is a unprecedented situation to have this serious of an event where somebody's, you know, heart stops on the field. I mean, this was, as you're dealing with this and learning about it in real time, Everybody involved in the situations trying to process it, it was it was overwhelming, I feel like, in a lot of cases. And to me, the one of the biggest takeaways I'll take from this that I think that I'll think back in 10, 15, 20 years is the just outstanding job that Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor did in that moment. Sometimes from a human perspective, you have to celebrate those things as well. And so as things are going, uh, he goes off in the ambulance to the hospital and the bills come out on the field, start warming up. Zach Taylor says, first of all, this has been a very contentious point. People have been talking about this for the last couple of days. There was no directive from the league on the field to get out there for a warm-up period. So that was just players probably after DeMar left, just and we'll talk to hopefully talk to players at some point this week. All right, we should do something, right? Like what, what you're still out on the field, we should do something is everybody's kind of still trying to figure things out. That's just my best guess. Sean McDermott was talking to the officials and Zach Taylor got word that he needed more time to process everything that was going on. So Zach Taylor took it upon himself. Thankfully. So walked across the field, the group conferred and then ultimately realized that they should suspend the game for a short period of time and figure things out in the back. The first thing that Sean McDermott said to Zach Taylor, when he walked across the field into that huddle was I need to get to the hospital to be with DeMar and I cannot coach this game. And listen, we've been critical of Sean McDermott at times. It's part mm-hmm. of our job, right? I mean, this we cover this team from a football perspective when they when they don't score a touchdown or make the right call or you know miss a tackle. We we we're, our job is to critique that, right? But I got to tell you, Ryan, just hearing Zach talk about that today, I can't tell you how much respect I have for Sean McDermott. Yeah, and, and it just kind of goes to show you that the right man has the head coaching job here in Buffalo now and long term. His priorities were where they needed to be, and that was with DeMar Hamlin. I, you know, I can't be here coaching. I have to be with my player. Uh, he speaks about it, and it kind of reminds me a little bit about Chicago and the fact that 
uh, when they were, they couldn't make it back. He said, you know, if I can't be with my family, this is the family I want to be with. He really does think of all of these players as his extended family, as his family. And uh, in that moment, there was nothing bigger than being with DeMar Hamlin, being at the hospital, uh, checking in on his player, checking in on the player's family. Um, and then kind of going back to what you mentioned with, the players and Naheem Hines going to Saran Neal. Cause like you said, Saran Neal, they, they panned to him a few times. Um, all the players were heartbroken. You could really see in Saran Neal, uh, almost struggling to stand up. He had to keep kind of crouching down. Like you said, uh, Mitch Morse was there for Tredavious white. It, it shows you how much that, you know, they do care about one another. This isn't just lip service. Uh, this is a, a, unit that looks at themselves as more than just football players on a team. They are one big family. There's also this, this piece of this that's so chilling. I mean, mm. we're what 13 weeks, 14 weeks removed from Monday night football against the Titans. When DeMar Hamlin crying himself, being consoled by Tyrell Dotson as his best friend, Dane Jackson gets taken off the field in an ambulance after a neck injury. And then now, Fast forward a few months and it's complete role reversal. And we've seen some posts from Dane and I could say that the, the emotional, he just looked like he was in shock during the moment. He couldn't even bring himself. It, it felt like at one point to walk into the area to, to see what was happening with DeMar Hamlin. And, you know, this is so much. We, we, we talk about football on the show we talk about um, you know so many different things but this is so much bigger than any of that this was you know a group of, of of men and women you know staff members for the bills probably sprinkled in there as well that needed to come together in one of the most helpless moments of probably any of their lives and you know we, we, we've we've found some really you know um, promising updates here over the last couple of days coming out of the hospital but this is something that you know, I saw, we could probably go to the question that was in here uh, a moment ago. AJ had it up on the screen. You can throw it back up there, AJ, if you want. Um, about not understanding how the players can go from what was going on on Monday to then turning, flipping the script and then doing football, playing football on Sunday against yeah. the, the New England Patriots. And uh, Ethan asked, how do the Bills refocus and prepare for the Patriots this weekend? Honestly, Ryan, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. And I've said this a few times now. What I think is is happening in the building, seeing Dion back there yesterday doing a couple interviews, is they're loving on each other like they have in really difficult difficult times in the past. They're talking, you know, you go back to when George Floyd passed away and they had to uh, was murdered and had to you know talk about what they wanted to do around the anthem. And you remember Sean McDermott saying we're having open, honest conversations, and as a team, we're going to come to. Um, a decision on what we're going to do. And to me, hearing Troy Vincent today on a, on a, on a league conference call say that they're going to defer to the Bills and Sean McDermott on what to do about Sunday, to me, that's the per, hitting the perfect note because this should be a Bills decision. This should be a Sean McDermott players, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Dane Jackson, Jordan Poyer. This should be their decision. A hundred percent. And maybe they, they come out and say they, they want to play the game. But I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can focus on the game. I, I don't know how that can be your, your your top priority. I don't think it would be if they end up playing this game. So it, it's just another kind of uh, wrinkle or layer onto this onto the story in terms of what do they do? How do they 
move beyond this because it, this is this is not something, Matt. We, we you said it early in the show that we've seen. It's not something that happens in the NFL. Uh, it, it's a first time occurrence in my lifetime that something like this has happened. Um, and I don't know how the, the players can say that they can kind of take on a game plan, go into to these meetings and, and be prepared for Sunday. And I get, you know, they're football players, but what they saw, what they experienced, this is going to be so difficult for them to, to, to process that. I, I don't know what the answer is either. It's just so difficult for Sean McDermott and the players because of, you know, what took place on Monday night. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for tuning in and joining us um, as we talk about this, this very difficult situation that is ongoing. So many people affected by this, no more than uh, deeply than the, than the Hamlin family. I mean, this is a, a son, a grandson, a brother, uh, a cousin. And, um, you know, he's going through something right now that, you know, it's, it's really unimaginable. And I, I told the story on a couple of shows and I, and I love to do it again, just because to me, it felt like thinking about Damar Hamlin, the man, the, the teammate, the player, it, there's a, there's an, a level of tragedy baked into this bigger tragedy that is just so heartbreaking because when he came into the league, he was drafted six round. We talked to him that night uh, and, and you know, those post-draft interviews, Ryan, they're usually three or four yeah. questions. They're to the point. Most of the time, the kids are, the, the, the young men are so excited to talk about making it to the NFL. They're, they're, they're kind of short answers. They're fun. Like they're, you're not really gleaning a lot from, and I'll, and I'll never forget. I went back and listened to it. Hamlin said, I don't care what they ask me to do. I will pass out water bottles on the sideline at at halftime or in between quarters, if that's something that's going to help the team, I want my teammates to do, I will do anything for them to help win games, whatever that ends up being. And just like the selflessness of a guy that you go back and read about his story. And he was a a high level recruit, probably could have went somewhere else to play college football, stayed home at Pittsburgh because he wanted to be a role model for people in his family, obviously as a younger brother. And you know, he ends up being a six-round six draft pick and and then obviously gets to this point this season. Micah Hyde goes down in week two and finally has this huge, huge opportunity. And listen, we've been critical at times of him as well. Like he's had some games with up and down nature, but to take over for Micah Hyde when he did and to play the way that he has this season at one point leading the Bills and tackles, he has been everything they could have dreamed of, of a six-round draft pick. And obviously we mentioned everything that he means to this this 
team and this building as a player. Um, did you catch the One Bills Live snippet that, that kind of made its rounds after Monday night from a few weeks ago? Yes, where they are talking with Demar, yes. And he basically said there was one day after practice or during practice where he just went over and like held hands with Dane Jackson, squeezed him really tight. And just to take in the moment about accomplishing their goals, getting to where they are and just living in the moment, appreciating it and continuing to push um, to just be so appreciative because you don't know what can happen tomorrow. It's just the most heartbreaking thing, dude. I could cry, man. Yeah, it, it, it's tough because you, you see these interviews, you see these um, from just a few weeks ago where he talks about the importance of family. He talks about the love for his teammates, achieving his dream of, of making the NFL and having Dane Jackson, someone that he's been with uh, from the start, you know, growing up together, playing football together, being teammates. It's uh, something almost out of a movie. And to have something like this happen is is tragic. It, it wasn't something that uh, anyone could have expected to take place. But you're right. Demar Hamlin, the football player, going all the way back from when he was drafted, you know, team first guy. It's something that Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean looked for and, you could tell right out of the gate with his comments about the water bottles, doing whatever he had to to help the team. He, he fit the mold of what these guys look for in football players. And yeah, he, he was obviously put into a huge spot this year when Micah Hyde went down uh, with an injury. And and like you said, we, we've been critical of his play. We've complimented his play when he's done uh, things really well, but, um, to, to be able to achieve your dream and to have something like this happen. It's just, uh, th- there are no words for it. As always, we're brought to, brought to you by tops friendly markets. Shout out to them. I'm not going to do the usual ad reads, but, uh, they are, uh, they do help yeah. bring, uh, this show to you guys every week. And I want to give them a shout out, uh, during this, th- during this, uh, this episode, do you guys think this affects the future of football? Man, that is a, a deep, deep question. Football is such a violent game, Ryan. I've always tried to, in my own mind, think about what I'm covering, right? Like the effects mm-hmm. that this game has on people from a physical perspective and, and, and balance things out with conversations that I've had with people in and around the game. You know, I don't know if you'd mind me putting them on the spot like this, but I, I always remember a conversation that I had with Joe Licata about um, football and you know letting my kid play it like i'm 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 open about it like my son lucas first of all he's very small right for his age um i i'm not gonna let him play like tackle football at any point if he comes to me in high school and i want to play football and i mean i guess i'll cross that bridge when i come to it but i've always thought about that And, and what he said back to me was it always just gave me great pause and he said no matter with all the risk involved i never would have traded a minute of it and I never would have not played, even if, even considering knowing the risks. And I feel like that's the, for the most part, what you hear from the majority of football players. It's, it's such a hard thing to do. I've never played contact football in my life. Like I played flag, I think for a little while, I never played. So I I can't really speak from a first person view of it, but I think just like everything else with, with head injuries and everything like that, conversations that's a safe space for conversation. We can have as many conversations about how to make the game safer, how to make it more, uh, especially as Ryan athletes in 2022 are as bigger, faster, stronger than they've ever been. And just thinking about, you know, maybe altering things a little bit based on how much the game has changed just from a physical perspective with the, with, with the guys that play this game. 
Yeah, listen, I mean, like you said, this is a deep question. I, I think football is or people that are responsible for football are evolving. That They're trying to get flag football to be a, a big uh, emphasis for younger players in terms of developing them, teaching them the game, uh, limiting contact. When you get all the way up to the NFL, they're trying in multiple ways to protect players um, at certain positions more than others. Obviously, we've talked about quarterback rules, but not the same type of injury, but we've seen guardian caps come along in the last uh, five, 10 years, something to help prevent concussions. They're always looking for ways to make the game safer. Uh, in terms of the future of football, it, it's always been a violent sport. It, it, it's always going to be a violent sport. Uh, I think the league that can look to try to make the game safer in different ways. Um, but at, at the same time, I, I don't think it necessarily affects the the future of football in terms of its overall popularity, in terms of the viewership. Um, but I think if anything, though, maybe you go to the drawing board and you try to come up with ways to uh, help these players as they come through the, the process of becoming football players, making it as safe as possible for them. One of the things I think about too, and AJ, you could throw up the next question and we'll transition to that. What it's going to be like, you know, hearing Mitch Morris, I think we talked about this in the last podcast or one of them from last week about, you know, he says, you don't go out and play with reckless abandon, right? Like you don't go out there and just don't think about anything ever, but you do have to play super fast, super violent, right? Like that's, that's what football is. I mean, you have to go out there and play with violent intentions. I mean, you hear probably coaches saying that coming up all the time. I wonder the impact on players knowing something like this happen, if it affects them at all, like when they go out there for their next game, it's like when you suffer an injury, like coming off of what Tredavious White came off of, a torn ACL. When you get out there for the first time and, you know, it's real game snaps. Like, are, are you fully confident on all the different moves that you have to make out there? I, I've always wondered about that. And that could be something to think about here over the next couple of days. How are the other players, especially in the DB room, doing emotionally? Ryan, what, what have we seen from a lot of folks on social media? Because that's where players have mostly been putting out their, yeah. their, their comments. Yeah, and a lot of it's just been, you know, continue to pray for DeMar, keep him in your thoughts, he needs your prayer. Well, you know, we have, like you said, there hasn't been any kind of like uh, media uh, this week thus far as we haven't been able to talk to any of the players, but you could see how shaken up they were on the field. Uh, I, I can imagine they're still shaken up and they're worried about their teammate, their friend. Um, so, you know, and, and that goes forever and not just the defensive back room. Mm -hmm. Regarding the next man up, would you think if they play a schedule that Cam Lewis would be ahead of the depth chart, uh, Jaquan DiMarlo? Um, Greg, um, please don't take offense to this. You're one of our, our regulars. Uh, uh, you're one of my favorites. I don't really want to get down that road yet. You know, I'm not really even thinking about this game. I'm, I don't even know where I'm, where I'm at in terms of whether or not they should play it. Again, it's not my, I, I'm not too comfortable. I was thinking about writing a, a story about that, Ryan, about like um, whether or not this game should be played. But again, it goes back to what we said earlier in, the, in, in this episode. Uh, I don't want to be the one saying what they should do. I think that it should come from Sean and the team. And so, sure, there's going to be a multitude of, of options uh, for, um, playing without uh, Demar, but I just I, I can't think about that right now. You know, some a bridge across when you get there in terms of the the players, but that's you know down, we can talk about that later. How about just we, we talk about some of the the good that's come from this the, the chasing him yeah, foundation. Let's, let's, let's finish on that note. Let's finish um, on that note. That yeah, you, you know, obviously in, in game, um, and, and I'm going to forget his name. He was a comedian, I believe that. 
uh, found the Chasing M GoFundMe link. Uh, any posts and he said it around that time is around 10, 12,000. And, and since then, I think, I think I saw that it's climbed over 6 million today, yeah. uh, in, in donations and obviously tons of bills, fans, tons of football fans, Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady, donating Tom Brady, sharing it on his Instagram, uh, a link to it. Uh, Patriots ownership. I saw made a donation today. Josh McDaniels of the Raiders, tons of players, tons of coaches, uh, fans, wrestlers. I saw Chris Jericho uh, donated, you know, some good there. You're seeing T-shirt companies, 26 shirts, store 716 sports locker, uh, Pittsburgh company. Uh, making these designs or proceeds are all going to the Chasing M Foundation. Uh, just, you know, cool things like that where where something positive can come out of something so horrific. Being there for each other too, right? Yeah. Like my little story, you know, you don't even think about some of the impacts of a situation like this. But, you know, my son, who's eight years old, watching the game, um, he's really just kind of coming into his own as a Bills fan. I've talked about this in the show before and he just, he can't get enough of it. He watches it every week and they were watching the game. And when he was injured, when the injury happened, my wife sent him up to bed. I mean, obviously it's a situ- serious situation. Just said right. all players hurt. You got to go to bed. He had school the next day and he came down the next morning and was asked what happened and was everybody okay? Was tomorrow okay? And then it, you know, you know how little one's brain works. He got down the 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 lane a little bit and started to say, asking, "Was Daddy okay?" And it's like how these young folks are handling this, and then going to school the next day and talking about it with their 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 teachers and in their classes. Um, these this is the kind of thing that just it paints such a broad brush over us as a world because that's what brings us all together is the fact that we're all human beings. We all love people in our lives. And when, when somebody that we love is impacted, however the case may be, you know, you want to come together to just offer love and support to those people. And what we've seen this outpouring, this becoming this global story, this global coming together. And we need more of those moments. Not that we need these situations to bring it there, but we need more of these moments because there's a lot of just trash I see people talking about this vaccine in the comment section right now. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Stop spreading misinformation. That's another thing. Stop spreading misinformation. If you don't get it from a a, a reliable source, keep it out of the conversation. Sorry, that's a little side. No, no, that's fine. And and I did see someone in the comments mentioned fanatics to selling the jersey. Uh, all proceeds going to chasing him. So a lot of good, you know, some good has come out of this. The, The the togetherness of this all people coming together, uh, seeing every team in the NFL change their uh, icon on, on Twitter to the DeMar image. It, it shows that, you know, if football is family, it is a brotherhood, it, it, all the players reaching out and, and sharing messages, NBA players uh, mm-hmm. making statements that night, Clay Thompson and, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. He used to play for the Jazz. Now he's on the Cavaliers, too. Donovan and, Mitchell, LeBron thank James. You. 70, yep. He went off for like 71 points, and that was the first thing or one of the first things that he mentioned. Um, it, it just kind of, yeah, goes to show you. Such good news uh, on DeMar Hamlin that we've received in the last uh, few hours here. Um, I, I, I'm glad that you brought that point up about um, all the teams changing their yeah. – um, 
their avatar on social media platforms. So, so cool. Uh, the statement, uh, the last one that came out two hours ago from the Bills, DeMar remains in the ICU in critical conditions uh, with signs of improved improvement that have been noted yesterday and overnight. Uh, he is expected to remain under intensive care as his healthcare team continues to monitor and treat him. So just super great news. I uh, wanted to shout out also Coley Harvey, who's on the ground, um, providing really, really great coverage in um, Cincinnati right now. He He's over at ESPN. Uh, he had tweeted out an interview with um, Jordan. I keep forgetting his last name. Um, the marketing rep for uh, Demar. Oh, I know, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, he did an interview with him this morning, and he tweeted out a thread on it, um, and he, he shared it on Sports Center. And he said uh, that his the the uncle said that his nephew had to be resuscitated twice, but uh, once on the field, uh, and once he arrived at the ha- hospital, um, that's what Glenn said. But I think he. Uh, Oh, sorry. This is this is the wrong one. Sorry, I have the wrong um, no. thread up here. But basically, he only needed to be resuscitated once. So he was kind of clearing that up, which I thought that that was uh, good of Important. him to do. Yeah. I hope everybody's doing okay out there. I, th- I guess let's just finish on on that because I do have to run. This has been such an emotional week for everybody, and I just hope everybody's okay. And I mentioned on Twitter the other day, um, my DMs are open. If you just need a, a positive interaction, uh, you know, want somebody to listen to you. Uh, I can't promise that I'll uh, that I that I'll have a, a ton of time, but I, I'd love to share a, a, a line or two and uh, uh, a positive vibe with anybody that, that needs it. Ryan, yeah, same same here. Uh, anyone that needs to reach out, it, you're right. It, it's been a uh, very tough and uh, I think draining week for uh, just about everyone. I will be back in Buffalo tomorrow. We'll continue to keep you guys. Um, up to date on everything Uh, for Ryan Talbot I'm Matt Perino see you soon take care everybody love each other Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot